very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. To listen to this full interview, you know what to do. Go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. Give yourself the gift of truth. Tonight, a veteran of this program returns to discuss the plans, the goals, and the agenda of those behind the scenes, and how we can wake up and prepare in order to prevent another false flag event that can be the catalyst, the final blow that can culminate in a one-world fascist government. All of this with our special guest, Ole Damagord. Right now, on Veritas. Ole Demigord is an award-winning author, investigator, musician, artist, painter, former journalist, and much more. For more than 20 years, he has worked very hard to expose some of the biggest conspiracies around the globe, something that has turned out to be very dangerous, a very dangerous task. He has appeared on international radio, which has caused a tidal wave of international interest. He's not here to spread fear. His goal is to prevent the global elite from turning this beautiful world into a controlled and horrible place. And he's totally dedicated to revealing their agenda, including false flag operations all over the world. And to learn more about Ole Damagord and his work, visit his website at lightonconspiracies.com. You can join his newsletter. You can offer your support for all the excellent work he has done for so many years. And the website is also linked at our website. And directly from Estepona in Costa del Sol, España, southern Spain, I would like to welcome Ole Damigord. Hello, Ole, and welcome back to Veritas. How are you? I'm so blessed. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me back on. Always, always a pleasure. Well, you and I have been corresponding ever since you came on the show, and you always pass new information to me. And I decided to wait a few months until we had you back. And recently, you gave me some new information. You actually went to the Bilderberg meeting, and you have some new information to share with us right hot off the press. Tell us what you found. For those of you listeners who might not know about uh, the Bilderberg Group, it was uh, started in 1954 in Hotel Bilderberg in Holland, Osterbeck, Holland. And it was created by Prince Bernard and some other <clears throat> members of the global elite at that time with the intention of uh, uh, 
creating a super secret uh, group that would meet in secrecy once a year, a group that would have a steering committee of some eight to ten people that would have the agenda of inviting key people in key positions from every single country uh, in the Western world. And through the control of these people, if they could control and get the loyalty from these key people, they would be able to more or less control country by country by country. And, and But in a way that the normal person in the street and the population of these countries would have absolutely no idea. So what we're, di what we're discussing or describing is actually part of a shadow world government, an, an invisible uh, government that uh, uh, are affecting world events uh, in ways that we most people cannot even imagine. And this group, have, like I said, they've been meeting at least once per year. They always change uh, location, they change countries, they, so that uh, uh, over all of these years, it's 60 years this year, uh, very, very few people have known about them even, and even less who are the members, who are the agenda, and so on. Uh, in my book, Coup d'etat in slow motion, which is almost 1100 pages long, uh, the last 200 pages are just a membership list, the location and whatever has leaked out about the agenda from 1954 to until 2014. And the reason why uh, I find it's so important to reveal what's going on at these meetings is that when you, if you compare the agenda from all these different years and and what was discussed and indirectly uh, decisions that was taken at these meetings and then you compare with world history you will see that so 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 many times whatever has been on the agenda at that year then uh, the following year in the world these things has happened more or less a hundred percent I would say there and the members of these group have been, like I said, key people, like uh, top politicians, royalties, uh, media, uh, top people in media, in the legal system, police. Uh, you have also from like MI6, CAA, these type of people, uh, Google, the, the boss of Google. You got uh, Bill Gates, David Rockefeller, Henry Kissinger, many, many, many of the Rothschilds. Morgans, uh, bankers, you name it. I mean, whatever area that where they can make an impact, uh, they're there and they get hold of these people and control them. Uh, and uh, so this year, I've spent, uh, it's actually more than 30 years now that I've been looking into false flag operations, major assassinations globally, and so-called terror acts. And one of the things that I've found from uh, looking into many of these assassinations, like the JFK, Robert Kennedy, Martin Luther King, Olaf Palme, I mean, there's so many of them, is that once you start digging really, really deep uh, in the search of truth, you come back to a very certain group, a small little global elite, where the Bilderberg group is one part of it. Up in this power pyramid, I would say, not in the absolute top, but way, way up there, uh, there are at least uh, four different groups. It's the Trilateral Commission, it's the Council on Foreign Relations, 
and it's the Bilderberg Group. It's also the committee of 300 and there's other subgroups and so on. But uh, these are some of the major groups in that area. And many members are member in one in more than one group. They can be both in the trilateral, the Council on Foreign and the Bilderberg Group and so on. So this year, I was invited to... Um, By the way, th thank you for giving us some background. I, you know, sometimes in doing this, this show, I assume that people know, but I'm sure that a lot of people probably haven't heard of the Bilderberg Group. So this is a benefit to them. I'm glad you gave us some background. Please proceed. Okay, so <clears throat> I've, uh, during the last, uh, I've, I've spent so many years, uh, like I said, looking into the JFK assassination, uh, the Olaf Palme assassination, that was the Swedish prime minister that was gunned down in the street in, of Stockholm in 1986. And <clears throat> uh, so I've been recognized as, an, uh, without bragging, uh, a world-class expert in these areas, also false flag operations and so on. And this, uh, this year I had uh, the great honor of being invited to Copenhagen to be one of the key speakers at the meeting. I mean, not the, the Bilderberg meeting, but outside where they, they met. And uh, so I was very happy to, to come there. What, what organization invited you? It was not an organization. It was uh, there were different events planned, you know, to to uh, expose this meeting, and some members in in arranging these events uh, uh, asked if I would be willing to come, and and they even collected and got um, uh, the airplane ticket for me. So it was a it was a real treat to be invited. But right. when. Uh, when you study this group over the years, one of the things that you notice is that it's uh, they've denied the existence of this group more or less for, for decades. And uh, normally it's just like a one-liner in one of the newspapers, you know, just, well, this weekend the Bilderberg meeting took place, blah, 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 here and there, and that's about it. And officially it's just a think tank, this group, uh, all of them very high up in society. Uh, they meet for a coffee and a biscuit and a nice chat, and that's it. But when you look at these meetings, you will see that they're surrounded by incredible security measures with uh, sometimes military, but otherwise heavily armed police and fenced-in areas and helicopters and, and so on. And that there's absolutely no way for normal media or, or normal people to get anywhere close to get access to what's going on in there. And the normal way is that they choose a luxury hotel in a secluded area where it's difficult to, for anyone to, to look in or whatever, so that no, normal people will be held away at least half a kilometer or a kilometer down the road where the police will block the roads and so on. And the normal uh, template, if you call it that, the, is that they come in, in black limos with tinted windows. I mean, just like a gangster film with uh, mob members, more or less. And, but here we're talking people like uh, David Rockefeller and, and so on. They come uh, one or two in, in each of these limos with bodyguards, sometimes with follow-up uh, cars with bodyguards and so on. And... Uh, over the years, the way that researchers have been able to figure out and 
and prove who has been at these meetings have been by uh, photographers being placed on both sides of the road when they come driving and trying to take photos of them uh, when they pass or when if they have been lucky to take photos when they enter or exit the, the vehicles and get into whatever building they're meeting in. So um, then due to the very hard work to researchers like uh, uh, Jim Tucker, he was one of the main characters in exposing this group. Uh, uh, unfortunately, he died last year. Uh, David Icke and other people have also made an incredible work in, in exposing this group, Daniel Estolin and so on. And it came to a point where up until 2013, 2012, it, there was an absolute, uh, like a stone wall. Everybody who started talking or trying to expose this group were called theory, conspiracy theorists or, or mad people or whatever. It's just like uh, absolute no-no to get anywhere close. Then in 2013, it, they couldn't hide it anymore. So then they changed the whole tactic. They turned it upside down and instead they said, no, 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 of course, uh, the Bilderberg group exists. I mean, what are you all on about? I mean, we're not trying to hide. So they met at the Grove Hotel outside uh, Watford in London. And uh, that was way out in the countryside. And uh, uh, the truth movement and the media were being fenced in, in a very, uh, in, a, in an area, very controlled area, controlled by armed police and so on. There were body search and all of these things. And this area was located like um, less than a kilometer away but i mean you could just see the the hotel there's absolutely no way you could get anywhere close so um just when the meeting was uh, about to take place the first time ever that it went open like this just a few days before when media internationally was like going my god is this really true does this is it possible that these politicians and people from everywhere are meeting in, in major secrecy, I mean, without anyone knowing? So the journalists were preparing to come to this place and start looking into it. And then happened the so-called beheading in Woolwich, just a few days before the meeting. Uh, if you, I don't know if you uh, are aware of this. Uh, I do, I do. Was, it that, was that staged at all? Totally staged, Mel. It's one of my absolute favorites. It's so badly done. Uh, it's just sometimes I give two-hour interviews about that just to show how they carry them out. And give, how give us some background of that because I, I, I hate to say that I laughed, but it was so poorly made that I just couldn't believe that people would buy that. Mel, I totally agree with you. It's absolutely so badly done. But I think this was in England, and they're not so used to, to these staged events, uh, you know, these false flag operations. In the States, they've got a lot of practice with all these mass shootings and, and so on. So you've got like a core group that is getting pretty good at it in the, in the States. But in England, I would say, well, they had the 7-7 bombings where... Uh, there was, uh, uh, I mean, that was also a stage event, but this one was a, a totally stage event with, with actors. Nothing was real about the whole thing, and uh, but you you want me to go into some details around that? Sure, sure. Just to let people know, because that that was a big big distraction. It was a major di uh, distraction. That what happened was when this incident happened. 
you know, it, the the whole thing was that two uh, North African uh, black men, uh, they came in a car, this is the official story, they came in a car, they saw this young soldier in civilian clothes walk down the street, and he had a t-shirt on that said, help for heroes. They got so upset with that t-shirt uh, that they crossed the road, they, uh, they crossed the road, and knocked him over with the car, then jumped out of the car, took out a, a, like a meat cleaver and a, and a knife and chopped the head off this young guy. His name was uh, Lee Rigby, then pulled the body out into the street. Uh, and then uh, after a while, there was some somebody with a, a cell phone that was filming it. And then he gave one of the killers gave like a speech saying like, uh, we're very sorry that uh, your women had to uh, see this type of thing, but this is what we experience every single day uh, of our life in our home country. And uh, don't trust the government. I mean, you need to, to fight them and so on. And uh, anyway, what happened then was that they were, uh, these two uh, killers, they were just walking around for 25 minutes waiting for the police to come. Then the police came. I mean, we're talking central London, daylight, the middle of the day, in a very busy street, waiting 25 years after, no, 25 minutes after chopping the head of an English soldier right outside an army barrack. And then once the police came, uh, they, the police just jumped out and shot both of them. And then they were taken, uh, taken away and so on. But when you look into this, it's so badly done. Uh, you know, for instance, the, the whole thing, when you see a stage event, they're set up totally like a film set. And I've been, a, uh, you know, one of these uh, background uh, people in many uh, films and commercials and so on. When I moved to Spain, we had, I didn't have a job. And we were looking for income anyway. And there was this film company on Mallorca. Uh, where I uh, used to work as an extra. So I spent so, so many hours sitting in the background, just waiting between the takes and just being bored and looking around, uh, interested in to see how, how do you make a film? You know, yeah. how, where's, the, where's the lighting? Where's the makeup? Where's all of these things? And also one of the things that you do uh, with these film set is that... Uh, the background action is very important that it's, uh, what would you say, it's, it continues so that even if they take several different takes of the, of the real action in the film, the background needs to do the same every single time. So uh, everybody, before the take is done, then the background extras are informed, okay, you walk from spot A to spot B, and very often they mark it with tape or they put like cue points uh, on the, in the street saying, okay, this is point A, and you walk over to point B, we'll put a cue point, cue marker there as well. We saw that and in then, Egypt. Uh, we saw that in Egypt last year and the year before too. Tape on the floor to just show the people supposedly doing what they were supposed to do. Mel, I'm just describing a very badly pulled off false flag operation. This is standard procedure many of these times because you, you need to inform the background and people, you just can't have people walk around doing absolutely nothing. And one of the things they always say, do not look into the camera because it is too obvious if the background right. is looking at what is going on. So do not look into the camera. And then when it's uh, time to do the take, then the first it goes 
background action, people start moving around, walking, and then action for the real actors to start uh, in front of the camera. And then as soon as the take is done, they always do more than one take. They say, okay, everybody back to point uh, to start a point. Everybody goes back to point A, whatever that is. And then background action, you start walking in from point A to point B. And it goes on like that until the scene is, uh, is finished. And, okay. So uh, normally also uh, when, you are, when you do a, um, uh, do a film shoot in a city, the film producers, they contact the local authorities and they get a, a, a permission to film in wherever it is. And then you cut off uh, that street. And it's very important that you can control all pedestrians, all traffic, whatever it is, because you need continuity when it comes to these people as well. You can't have that right in the middle of a, of a film shoot. Somebody turns around on the pavement saying, what are you doing? What are you filming? You know. So you need to have the people on the uh, pedestrians and so on to be your people, okay? And uh, every time they, they do a film shoot, they have a lot of extras in the background since it's in the, a city. So these people are driven there in buses. Then you have normally there, I don't know for what reason, but there's always white trucks. I don't know why they, they're white, but all the film shoots I've been on, white trucks. And these trucks, they come and they, uh, when you open up the signs, they have lights, they have, sometimes there's a whole makeup uh, studio inside. Yeah, they've got the clothes, all that is needed, you know, whatever tools, uh, cables, everything comes in these white trucks. And then uh, these people, the extras are often there hours before, the same uh, with uh, all the equipment and that. And then just when the, fi the film shoot is about to take place, you drive in the actors and the director and so on, the VIPs. And they normally come in private cars or cabs, okay? So you look at this place, you look at the whole setup, it's in central London. I mean, we're talking about a, a road with a lot of traffic normally. You look at what's going on. When you look at the, this filmed uh, thing from the cell phone, when they filmed the whole guy, all of these things, the dead body in the middle of the street, the, the car is crashed on the other side of the road, up on the pavement, uh, the, the front of the car is totally squashed and so on. So you start looking at it. I always go in with what I call Farmer Brown logic. One plus one equals two. It doesn't matter whoever tried to push down my throat that is 74. If somebody does that, even though they got a long title or a fancy laboratory robe or it's done in 3D animation or whatever, I know they're lying, you know? And then once you start tracking back these lies, that will lead you to the motive behind the crime and also to the real truth, who is behind it and so on. So, so I, I try to come with an open mind to a crime scene and just look around, see, does it make sense? You know, what happened here and so on. You look at this thing and uh, like I said, it's right outside the army barracks, uh, the Royal Artillery Army Barracks. So they would be at least 100 or 200 soldiers in there. I mean, here we have one of their friends had, where they just chopped off the head of this guy. You would think that maybe some of these of his friends would get a bit upset and come running out. Absolutely nothing. Also, 
there are normally placed guards outside the exit of this place. No guards, but a closed gate. Okay, so that uh, that uh, part of the, of the entry to this area is closed off. Then you look at the photos and filmings from from this area, and what do you see? The person who started filming with a with a cell phone starts filming inside a bus. Please remember who the how the extras came to a, a normal film set buses. Okay, it's filmed inside a bus that is down down the road towards uh, the traffic lights. So that's one bus, and that one is blocking off the street down into the, uh, there's like a, a drive where the other street I'm, I'm meeting up. So that's one bus. Then you look up the road, up on top of the hill, there's another bus there, two buses for the extras. Right in front of the bus, there's a white big truck that cuts off an, uh, a street from the side. White truck, equipment, uh, clothes, uh, makeup, all of these things. And then next to the bus, to block the street off in the other direction is a cab, exactly the type of vehicle that would be there driving the director or whoever is doing the main uh, main parts and so on. So exactly the same vehicles as you would find in a film shoot. Then you start looking around. Does it make sense? What the story? They said that the this guy they came driving and then they saw this. Uh, young soldier was he dressed in a uniform so that they knew he was a soldier no he was dressed in civilian clothes the only thing he had a t-shirt that says help for heroes and when when they set up these false flag operations they love drama because they they look upon us as being brain dead so they need to make it very very obvious you know, just like with 9-11, with the so-called hijackers, when the, they left the, or they found the rental car that came there in an absolute impossible time to drive the car there, it doesn't matter. But inside the car, what did they find? They find a Quran, mm -hmm. yeah? And then they find a VHS tape, in, in you know, a manual for how to drive one of these big 757, you know? And then the passport, pristine passport, the only thing that survived the whole blown up of the, of the two towers, one of the, of the hijackers' passport, even though it was a national flight, you know, it's, they, they overdo it to, to, you know, they go over the top. Same here, civilian guy, but help for heroes. Okay. You, you can almost hear also when you, when you hear the commentary, uh, tree voice or the voiceover, it's with such drama, you know, and now the the violence, Baghdad style violence, has come to the streets of London. It, very slow. It, the only thing that is missing in the background are the violins and <laughs> and the the flags. You know, whoa, whoa, the music score. Great, the music the score. Yes. The music score. That's the only thing that is missing. Okay. You look at the vehicle. They say that they crossed the street and knocked this guy over. Okay, if you look at what happens with a car when they hit, it hit a pedestrian, it normally gets a small dent in the front, and then the major impact is on top of the hood and the, the window. What happened with this car? The whole front was knocked in on the left-hand side, very squashed in, like if it had made, uh, you know, run right into a concrete wall or something. And the window, fine. Doesn't make sense at all. You know, also they, it, it's right up against a signpost and 
they i mean the thing is that this car has been placed there it there's no skid marks there's no nothing it's just a crashed car on the uh on the pavement and these signposts or signposts are designed to collapse on impact you know to make a small the smallest uh, possible damage to any vehicle or, or so on it's totally pristine it's there's not even a mark on it so you look in front of the the car where they apparently chopped the head of this poor guy absolutely no blood nothing nothing there's no blood around the body in the street that you can't even see that it you can see that it looks like a body but there's you can't see that it's missing a head or, or anything like that i tell you you talk to a doctor if somebody tries to to chop off or saw off a head of someone it is like that's what they call a bloodbath it is gruesome there will be blood everywhere the the clothes of the 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 perpetrators would they would just look like butchers you know you look at the uh, there was no blood there but then on on the aerial photo later that day you have the blood on the pavement you compare with the photos doesn't make sense okay then you take the guy who's standing explaining the whole thing uh, also i just want to say that the airbag with the impact uh, if you compare it to the damage to the front of the car the airbags would have uh, uh, exploded or opened up no airbags okay so uh, we go back to the to the guy the killer that uh, have been uh, that was interviewed and if you look at like how they stage these things it's sub very much subconscious and if you compare to the old western movies like the hero white 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 hat white uh, horse white shirt all of these things and then the bad guy black hat black shirt black trousers black horse black everything black 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 this is the way they set it up you know and you look at the perpetrator here he is so black everything on him is black you know and even if you compare the skin color of his hands and his face color you will see that his face is a lot darker than his hands meaning either they made his hands lighter or they put makeup up to makeup on to make him dark, look darker more sinister and so on nothing against african-american i'm not saying that i'm saying how these things are set up then you see photos of the victim i mean his skin is so fair he's he's in a on a with a white background and the the background of the photo we're being served is with uh what do you call it the the emblem the royal emblem Okay, and he's got a, a white, a red uniform with medals on and golden patches and stuff like that, and very fair-skinned like that. His name is also Lee Rigby, and he's a drummer. Now back to the subconscious, you know, the drummer boy, the story about the drummer boy, sure. and Rig Rigby. Listen to the song Eleanor Rigby. Eleanor Rigby, do 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 do, and the end, the grave, and nobody came, and it was so so sad. You know, this is the way they play with our mind minds. So he he's a drama. If this guy exists, you I don't believe so, and I would almost uh, you know like you can sew off my right arm if this guy was uh, was there or even exist. You know, nowadays with Photoshop, you take eyes from one face, you take them out from somebody else, and boof, there you go. That's yeah. it you created a new person anyway you look at the killer 
is he is there any blood on his clothes anything like that absolutely not and then you had two different takes of the same event if you look at you can compare them because there's one take where his hands are so they're, they're so red of blood uh, the hands and the knife and the cleaver i mean they're just dark red or, or this very very strong red nothing on the clothes it just stops exactly where the sleeves go down if you look at where there's a signpost behind him some 50 meters behind him that in one of these shoots the signpost is over his right shoulder in another one it's over his left shoulder meaning two cameras two different angles okay and the other shoot there's no blood at all on his hand absolutely not okay so what are we talking about we're talking about two people or two photographers with cell phones uh that have been filming this and i don't know i i have not heard anyone come forward saying i was the one filming this maybe i missed that but i'm not anyway so he gives this speech and while he gave this uh, speech to to uh, being filmed here watch the background action we're talking a, a very a major street in in uh, London with lots of traffic normally going up down up down up down. Empty. Are there are there car queues? Are do can you hear honking horns? Are people screaming? My God, I'm late to work. You know, get out of the way. Are people jumping out of their cars trying to help or anything? If you look at at uh, his you know events in South Africa or Russia and so on when. Uh, especially during the apartheid regime, when somebody did some kind of violent act to an innocent person, what would happen is that the the crowd, if there was a lot of people around, the crowd will just go very, very close in a circle around the perpetrator. They would try and hit him or throw things at him, you know, or scream at him, being very, very agitated or or a lot of emotion. You look at the background action here for the option the first thing is absolutely no traffic no traffic whatsoever i mean they're walking up and down in a totally empty street there are no car queues there's no horns there's no honking there's nothing and down the street you can see the cars just passing woof, 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 a cut off street i mean they've shut it up in in the end of the the street it, the traffic just continues as normal and then the background people what do they do? Do are they really sort of like, oh my God, there's a headless body right in the middle of the street? That's the worst thing I've ever seen. My God, yeah. ah, are they? No, they're standing picking their nose, about a hundred meters away from him, looking in a totally different direction. As the director would have told them, do not look into the camera. So everybody's looking in another direction, and then while he's standing giving his his speech. There's two different women coming with shopping carts on the way home, and they just like pass him within like less than half a meter, saying they're not saying anything, but it's almost like, "Excuse me, Mr. Horrible Butcher uh, Killer here, would you mind stepping out of the way? I'm I'm a little late and I need to go home with the groceries." Yeah, it's unreal, and uh, okay, so they pass, and then he finishes speech. And he start. He turns around and starts walking across the street. You check out the asphalt. Check out the street. What do you see? Q markers. When he where he starts walking over and where he uh, ends up on the other side of the street. Uh, 
You will also see the different uh, arrows, uh, like painted arrows and so on for, for scene two when the cops are coming, when the police cars are coming and so on. So he walks across the street and the guy filming, uh, he's the only one filming. There's no one else taking photos filming. I mean, it's only the most horrendous thing they've ever seen, the most awful thing they've ever experienced. Do they react? Do they call home and say, my God, there's a headless body in the street? No, they're just standing there. Absolutely nothing is happening. Okay, he walks across the street, he starts talking to his friend. And while he's there, there's this woman and the, the voiceover says, uh, and this woman, the mother of two, we're going emotional here, who was also the teacher for at a Boy Scout camp or something like that. She goes to talk to try sense, talk sense into this guy. So what does she do? She lies down next to the headless body and cuddles it. I mean, come, is that what you would do? I right. mean, here we have a body that is totally mutilated and you lie down in the street and, and put your arms around it. Unless he was your oh, son. No, but she, she, and she stands up, no emotion whatsoever. They're sort of walking around, chatting a little bit and, and so on. Uh, and anyway, so it comes to a point and you will hear witnesses later say it was so strange because these, uh, these two men, they were just like, they were almost asking people, please call the police, you know, call the police. We're being bored, you know, we, can you please call him so we can get this over and done with? Uh, I mean, the normal reaction would get the hell out of there, you know. Here they're just waiting, waiting. 25 minutes after it happened, the police arrived. And so they're just standing, hanging around. The police car arrives and there's uh, aerial footage of this. And suddenly from standing still doing nothing, these two guys that just charged the police car. So out jumps uh, heavily armed police officers and that do 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 Shot, shoots them down, both of them. And then the police also, they come running out to the people that have been taking the film saying, back off, back off, back off. That's after 25 minutes. Twen Do you know how long that is? Anyway, so what happens then is that these two perpetrators are taken to two different hospitals. Don't know why. And then the body is also removed. And uh, the... Uh, afterwards, there, there's a, um, uh, a police chief that comes forward to talk to the media and says, please calm down, everybody, let's not do anything stupid. And uh, uh, both perpetrators have been arrested and we've taken the, the man that was assaulted, he was taken to hospital and later declared dead. I mean, this is a guy without a head. You don't need a special education to think that my God, he might have deceased, you know. No, no, no. And later pronounced dead. Listen to the words because they, they, they don't think about these things. And then there's one of my favorites uh, is also they, they interview afterwards one, a young guy. Uh, he's he's uh, maybe around 20 or something like that. And they ask him, so, so what happened? And he said, well, uh, well, it was my mom that was... Uh, uh, this guy also, the, the voiceover says that he was on his way home from a job interview. What is that? Why do they even mention it? It's to get to the emotional thing. Good guy, good guy, and these awful bad people that chop the head of bad guy, bad guy. 
just pumping up the whole feeling there without people knowing it. Do you see? And then the, I don't mean to interrupt you. Do you see some of the similarities here between? And I don't mean to mix false flag operations together, but I think we must. Do you see the the similarities between this, between the Boston bombing, between Sandy totally, Hook? Totally, totally. Mel, we're talking about the same thing. This is this is why I'm 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 put so much effort over the years into exposing these things because they pull off the same templates again and again and again and again and we're buying it because we're so asleep instead of becoming aware of how they do these things. That's why <clears throat> I very often describe the template they use, the method in, in detail so that people will become aware of it and say the next time it happens, oh my god, hang on before I swallow the official story that is being pumped out. Maybe I should just start seeing it, you know, looking into it myself. And I would say the next time anyone talks about a lone crazy guy, you're spot on. Lone crazy guy is one of the parts in this template that could be a person or a group. But look, at the, the, why, look at the Boston the reason, bombing. Go, go, I'm sorry, finish your statement. No, the reason they want him crazy is because then there's no motive. And the reason why they want him to be alone, a lone crazy guy, is because then there's no conspiracy behind it. There's no planning. He was just crazy and, no and trial. did it. No trial. No trial. Yeah, and then they just get rid of that or shoot. He commits suicide. Yeah, right. Or they just get him in, uh, you know, push him and put him away and let him rot somewhere so that he can't give any interviews or, or just shut him up, shut him up. Exactly. I mean, look at, for example, Boston bombing. I remember the older... Sarneva brother. You probably saw the footage where he is yeah. uh, handcuffed, naked, being put into a police car. There you, you would think he's going to jail, but he's going to be alive. The next day, he's butchered. I saw the pictures, and supposedly that he ran over some police cars the day before. Wait a second. We're just, this is the same guy who's handcuffed, alive in one piece, and then you have the other brother who supposedly escapes. Then they find him inside of a boat. Supposedly, they shot him on the in the throat, and I saw the images when he was, you know, found. None of them was true. And then let me go back, and I don't mean to be mixing things around, but I think we're having fun with this. Go back to 1981 March. Remember the Ronald Reagan attempt? Yeah, Hinckley. It was, you know, the the, the Hinckley family was one of the biggest supporters of the Bush family. So, and the brother Hinckley's brother was going to have dinner with with uh, one of Bush's sons the day before. And guess what? He was proven to be insane. No trial, nothing. So, all of this seems to be going to the same place. Mel, this is an old Roman tactic. I mean, we're talking way, way back, and it's just been modernized and and more high-tech nowadays. That's the only difference. They've been pulling this off for decades, centuries. And and it's very easy to to dupe the population into thinking that it was a deed of a, a lone crazy guy instead of the danger for them is that we, the normal people, will see their agenda and see that, oh my God, it's actually them behind the whole thing. You know, so that they are very, very, they, this is the last thing they want is for us to find out. So back to Bilderberg. Uh, so this is a distraction. Why? Because they wanted the attention away from, this is 2013. And by the way, I must ask you, you probably know what the Logan Act is, right? Yeah, but please continue. The Logan Act is basically a United States federal law that forbids 
unauthorized citizens from negotiating with foreign governments. Yet, I believe Hillary Clinton was there last year. This is the whole thing, Mel. When you look at, like, these are foreign ministers that are meeting on foreign soil with other leaders, political leaders, military leaders, you name it. It's treason. It is absolute treason, high treason, what these people are committing. You know, so it, it is absolutely not legal what is happening. And it's the taxpayers who have to pay for it. It's an absolute joke that, that we let them get away with it, you know, really. So what happened next? The destruction happened 2013. They became more visible now. So 2014, you are called to present at an, an, an outside uh, group, Luke, Luke Rudowski and, and other people were there to tell us what happened. Okay, so in 2013, uh, they, they succeeded with this distraction because absolutely no one that I know con connected these two events. But the whole media was just like, whoa, look at that one. And then uh, when you look at these false flag operations, uh, I'm, a, I'm in personal contact with Chip Tatum, a former CIA deep cover agent for 25 years, black uh, of assassin and one of George Bush, he was the commander of George Bush Sr.'s private team of assassins, who was also part of uh, some false flag operations. And he said that very often when they pulled some of these, uh, that they were doing some of these operations, they had like normal, like staff meetings beforehand, being instructed exactly how to do it. And then after it was carried out, there was a follow-up meeting saying, did we accomplish, did we get the reaction needed or so on? And very often there was something that needed to be amplified or added or so on. So this is when you see these type of things, very often this, the following day you will see that there's another thing that adds on to the effect, you know. And when it came to the Woolwich thing, then there was, uh, in media it was pumped out that a very similar thing happened in Paris just the very day after, the same signs of this. And one of the methods they, they use is the very, very old Roman tactic, problem, reaction, solution. They secretly create a problem to get an emotional uh, reaction from the population. It needs to be emotional so that you don't use your brain. And it, the pr problem is almost always very violent, very visual, very dramatic. Uh, they love bombs, mass shootings, these type of things, crazy acts by so-called crazy people to get the reaction from the, from the public saying, oh my God, something needs to be done. And then the public will turn towards me who secretly created the problem and say, come on, please, you need to do something. You need to do something. And then I will push forward my agenda. And the agenda is always give up more of your liberties, give up more of your civil rights, give exactly. up your guns, let me control you so much more, let me turn the police into robot cops, let me have drones that can fly and kill anyone at any time, uh, you know, like Warren being arrested uh, and, and detained for 200 years, these type of things that would not have been accepted had it not been for this problem that was secretly created by me. So these are the, some of the signs that you need to look out for and also the patsy that they always blame it on. And when you set up these things, the patsy is being 
prepared. Uh, this is always a totally innocent person or group or someone they have problems with. Uh, you will see here uh, shortly, if it hasn't started already, that uh, the next ones that would be accused for having mass done mass shootings or, or bombs or something like that, it would be truth seekers or homeless or veterans. These are the groups at the moment they have problems with. And they've speeded up the agenda now. So now, according to information that had leaked out, it's scare of the week. You know, they need to keep you totally distracted with mass shootings right, left and center on a weekly basis. It's not like two in one week and then none the following week. I, I would say you would most probably see a very static uh, continuation. And this will move around, especially in the States. So it would be Los Angeles, New York, Las Vegas, uh, New Orleans, Chicago, you know, to, to get it out there, to, to get as uh, many people involved emotionally as possible. Anyway, so uh, false flag operations is one of their tools, either to distract or to push forward their agenda. And so when it came to the Bilderberg meeting 2014, they, it, it came out very early where the location was. And I just want to also make clear that in 2013, the year before, they, uh, as far as I know, they, they uh, employed a German public relation uh, company, very, very uh, skilled, to change the whole image of the Bilderberg meeting into being a very nice group of very nice people like having Santa Claus meeting, more or less, you know, eating cookies and being very nice, gentle people. Not if you compare that with the agenda, we're looking at a very, very dark and sinister group, you know, very, very dark, I would say. So when it came to 2014, one thing that, uh, that I found odd very early on was that the, the, the name of the hotel, I think I knew it about two and a half months ahead, you know, very unusual because normally it's only a few weeks because before the meeting that the that truth seekers finally are more or less sure that this is the place it's going to be here way early. And uh, the hotel that was chosen was the Marriott Hotel in central Copenhagen. So I thought, okay, what, how are they going to distract people from, from this meeting? So I was waiting for some kind of distraction. What, how are they going to manage uh, also, uh, because th there's also a court case going on uh, uh, accusing uh, the English Queen, Queen Elizabeth Windsor II and the former Pope and other people. It is a, a people's court in Brussels that are charging them for child genocide. Very, very, very heavy accusations. And these two things and it, you haven't seen anything in main media, I would think, at least I haven't seen anything. So I've been waiting, how, how will they be able to distract the media away from this? And that's when the Malaysian airplane arrived, you know, I seek him here, I seek him there, I seek him everywhere. Mm -hmm. Is he in heaven or is he in hell? Yeah. The, the damned elusive Scarlet Pimpernel. You had that plane just... No, here it is. No, it's, it's not. It's in Japan. It's there. It's there. It's there. And everybody's looking to the right instead of focusing upon these things that are the important one. So there, there was a distraction away from this meeting as well. 
But let me ask you, Ole, with the amount of fiat money that's involved here, central banks, in my opinion, are definitely part of, of this meeting. Why would they choose a location where where people may see that they're coming in? Why not choose a location, say, Pine Gap in the middle of Australia or something so remote where no person can reach, maybe on a military ship, a submarine, North Pole, and Antarctica, where nobody could find out unless they're doing this to tell us in our faces, look, we meet because we're in charge, almost as if they're laughing at our faces, that we are trying to find out what they're doing right under our noses. Very good thinking, um, and very good questions. And uh, when I describe what's going on later on, you will see that it's a very valid question. Also, I think they look upon us as being brain dead, and they have a good cause as well, because I mean, they've been getting away with these ridiculous things for decades, and we without us reacting. I mean, how you have this plane that hits the Pentagon and disappears into a hole the size of a few... Uh, what, what plane? What plane, exactly. And then the official story is that the, the, the wings just folded and then the whole plane vaporized. Yeah. I mean, we're talking six-ton engines of met, uh, metal... Titanium. Titanium that takes more than 6,000 degrees to melt and it's just vaporized. And we're buying it. It's like if I borrowed your car... And, and I lost it somehow because I was drunk or something. I come home to you and I say, well, I, I, I'm sorry, I reversed into the wall and it vaporized. Yeah. Would you believe me? Fair. But it's the same thing and we're buying it. So I can totally understand that they, they don't treat us with a lot of uh, respect because uh, it's so easy to dupe us. But you see, I have people who email me sometimes saying, Mel, I cannot believe that you continue to say that these shootings are false flags. You know, we need to do something about taking guns away from people. And of course, I cringe upon those messages because, you know, there's a reason why we we have to be armed. The, the United States is the last bastion of defense. And look, listen, I'm not one who likes to kill anybody. I would only do it in self-defense. I would only do it if, if my family was starving and I needed to go hunt. So believe me, I'm a peace-loving person. But at the same time, you have these people who, who tell you, look, there's um, Virginia Tech, there's Sandy Hook, there's uh, Aurora, Colorado. And what I say to them is, you want to stop that? First of all, have the media stop glamorizing the killer. Step, you know, probably it's a patsy, but let's say, let's pretend that it's not a patsy. It's proven that in less than five to seven days after a shooting, a major scale shooting like this, always a copycat happens. Look what happened. Santa Barbara, then another person the next day. So stop having the media put the pictures out there because what they're doing, in my opinion, they're perpetrating the crime. They're allowing these people to come out so that others would follow, so that more and more people can join forces and say, look, Mel, it's happening too much. We need to act, don't you think? Study world history again. I mean, it, this has happened before, but then the names was not Obama, but Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin, these type of people. Right. And the agenda, their agenda that they call the New World Order, I would call the Fourth Reich. I know this sounds very, very brutal. I tell you, the parallels when you study history are identical. They're following the same methods, the same templates, but now the area is the states. And the reason why 
all of these shootings, more or less all of them, happens in the state is because that is where the population is armed. And they have a major problem with that. And I'm just like you, I'm a Raja Yoga teacher. I'm totally, you know, the Gandhi way, yeah. totally, total nonviolence, all of that. But I do insist and beg to you, do not give up your guns. I'm not saying use them. I say have them because that's the only, that's the only language they understand up to this point, you know. And this is why they keep put, they're not saying, oh, there's all these crazy guys. How are we going to deal with their mental illness? No, they say it's the weapon that is the problem. And it does, it's not like an, a normal rifle. That's not the problem. It's automatic weapon. The bigger the danger for them, the more they will point that out. And you will, you will hear that part of the template when they carry these false flag operations. And I can just say after all of these years that I looked into, I am not sure I've seen a, a real mass shooting. I, I, maybe some of the first ones, but after that, the whole long line had just been staged event. And they even use actors nowadays. Uh, so it's crisisactors.org, for instance. You can go there, you can apply. I know I have friends that have applied and being approved of to take part of, of these operations and so on. So you just go to the website and... and uh, sign up and if you are interested to it's see a lot how of, it really works it's a lot of ignorance i think you know my, my family through fascism in spain you know we know what happened with franco they lost all their guns then they moved to cuba boom the same thing happened with castro so we have experience into what happened in the past in history those people in germany in the philippines you know, in in so many parts of the world, they come and they say, hey, we need you to register your guns, and you have two weeks to register. Then after you register, then they say, you have two weeks to give them up. If not, you're going to be executed. This happens again and again in history. And the United States, and I hate to continue saying and repeating it and reminding everybody, is the last bastion of defense. Obviously, to me, and I think we can connect more dots than most, and I don't say this in an arrogant way. We've just been at this for many years. They're doing this, in my opinion, because they have the agenda of disarming the population so they can implement whatever plan they have in place. Now, the question to you, Ole, is what exactly is that plan? The plan is, according to what has leaked out from these meetings and, and many others, is a one-world fascist state. They're not looking at, at, you know, like Obama, who I would totally insist on, is just yet another face in front of the same very, very brutal Pop it. war machine of death and destruction. Uh, a part of the group that took over with the JFK assassination and the whole long line of presidents that have been ever since have been part of this group, just a different face, a different front, front figure, but the same very, very brutal agenda. And they want total global control. Uh, they want to, they see the world the way it used to be as a disco ball, you know, with all these mirrors sending out beautiful colors and in all different uh, rainbow colors and so on, totally self-sufficient and so on. They want to destroy all of that. They want to destroy the sovereignty of nations and instead get a one a big, uh, like a, a, a crystal ball that they can totally control. And they want a one world army uh, that is uh, built by the NATO troops and the UN troops joining. This army is not for the protection of the global population. It is to control it. 
and they want to want they want everybody microchipped so that they can totally control us everything through this microchip that is also connected to gps so that they can see everything you do and with a one world digital currency very important for them that it's digital because as as long as we have normal money that we can pay with if the credit card uh, if there's a problem with that you're fine or also black black money you can buy and and sell things to people uh, not digital but as soon as that is gone the, whoever controls the computer that controls your computer uh, your credit card is in total control of you I've always said that the cash, the only reason why we still see cash only is because of the, the drug trade. If, he, if, he, if, he wasn't, if they didn't need the drug trade, they would have implemented a, a uh, cyber currency society by now. I think that is a very good observation. And do you know, like in Sweden, uh, the country I grew up in, cash is more or less gone now. It is, and there are many banks in Sweden that don't take cash anymore. Can you believe it? Mm -hmm. It's unreal. I, I really think that Sweden, uh, since uh, people are very afraid of conflicts and so on, that, that is one country that is being used as a test, test run for, for different methods. And if it gets approved in Sweden, if they can push it on the population there, because people are so into fashion and high tech, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? gadgets and all of mm -hmm. these things and being pumped with you're free, you're free, you're free, you're free. When they can get these things through in Sweden, then they push it on the rest of the world step by step. They also want, uh, I'm very sorry to say, but uh, uh, to depopulate this beautiful planet by two thirds is the number that, that keeps being repeated. And this is being done through these awful horrendous vaccines chemtrails civil wars all this crime that they're pushing pushing forward georgia guidestones uh, yeah the yeah. georgia guidestones that's what they I, say. I know it's it's all there and uh, so it's not a very beautiful future we're looking at that is also why i put myself in the line of fire i put i do everything i can to expose what is going on because otherwise who i don't even want to think about what future we are going to towards. And you have, and we have to take a one and only intermission, but please, you know, you have been at this for a very long time. You have and I have had conversations where you were planning to come and talk about a certain subject, but then you realized that it could put you in danger. So we have to be very careful sometimes. We, we can be brave, we cannot be stupid. And I'm glad that sometimes we come to our senses because we have families to protect. Tell us, how can people support your work? Oli, I know that in the past you had given a lot of your work for free, but I'm glad that finally you have come to the realization that your work needs to be appreciated and rewarded because otherwise we won't have an Oli Damagard in the future. <laughs> it's very kind of you to say so, but I, I really feel, you know, I put out my <clears throat> book Coup d'etat in slow motion for free out on the internet. I think there was like 40,000 downloads. And uh, at the same time, I was on my knees financially. So it came to a point where I was advised uh, by by people in this uh, uh, in this area that just say you have to understand it's a matter of e exchange of energies. That's right. You you put thirty years into it. You give it up for free. People can support you by 
in the form of in the form of money because this is this is the what i i need here now is just to be able to focus on this to feed my family and to get by day by day and to be able to do whatever i can to to expose this and you said about the dangers i have two friends that died very mysteriously uh, that were close in in these investigation i also felt very threatened after having a visit that uh, I left Sweden and moved to Spain and so on. So I, I have done a lot uh, of uh, sacrifices, and but I'm, I'm very happy to do that, you know. I'm very ha happy to do my bit, but if anyone wants to support my efforts, I'm extremely grateful. My website is lightonconspiracies.com, lightonconspiracies.com, very hand-picked word or domain name light on conspiracies because this is a matter of uh, not spreading fear or hate or, or anger it's a matter of, of uh, how should i say exposing it by totally total fairness fearlessness and transparency just put the spotlight right on them saying enough it is enough and if people want to buy my book or sign up for our newsletter or something that is a, a wonderful way of, of supporting me fair enough and when we come back we have so much more to discuss you even say that you could have been responsible for defusing a possible false flag massacre that could have involved so many including all of us in the truth movement imagine if one day you wake up and you don't see veritas you don't see a lot of my good colleagues out there because the government has deemed us dangerous for everybody. The censorship of the internet and so much more. All of this when we come back with our special guest, Ole Damigort. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first segment of this very important interview. To listen to the rest, go to veritasradio.com and subscribe. You will receive your login immediately. We'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and we'll be right back. Enjoy. The city chews up clueless blues, pays to views in no man's news. Blades will fade from blood to sport, the heroines cut. These fuses short Smoke is rolled in colonial pink Drink and frame this pain I think I'm melting silver poles, my dear You beat your wings and then disappear The moving scenes and pilot lights Smithereens are got of scaling heights Modern times come talk me down And battle lines are drawn across this town Without your names Ghetto stones instead of chains Talk them down cause it's up in flames And nothing's changed Parisian boys without your names Ride like 1968 again The days are raging Nothing's changed More pretty flames In school I would just bite my tongue And now you're They strike me down The flags are false and they contradict They point and click which wounds to lick On avenues 
Without your names, right at the 19th.